God bless you guys. We are diving into a brand new series called Greater Things. Greater Things. I'm so excited for this. This is a series on the person, on the power, on the presence, on the purpose, all the P words of the the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, y'all, the Holy Spirit, I think, is either left out or he's misunderstood. And one of those two extremes can hurt us, but we are going to believe that uh, God's going to reveal who the Holy Spirit is to us. We're going to teach through this on Wednesday, the first Wednesday in June, our first Wednesday. We're here in the Widden Auditorium, and we call that First Wednesday. If you don't know what First Wednesday is, it's youth camp. It's Wednesday night of youth camp meets Sunday night church. Come on, who grew up going to Sunday night church? And we just open up the altars, and God hits this place. It's so it's so powerful. Pastor John Hernandez preached our last first Wednesday. I'm telling you, this place was on fire. Pastor Joe Phillips is going to be here for our, our first Wednesday in June, and we're going to focus on Acts 1-8, Acts 2-4, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and, and I'm, but I want to teach you. I want to teach you so that you know what you're getting into. Tell a person next to you, you don't even know. You don't even know. Uh, I want to preach. I want to preach this word. Before I do that, I got some exciting news for you. Um, for many of you, many of you, this is new, and so I understand that. But a few of you have been uh, out there for a while. So if you, were, if you were around 14 years ago, I'm going to reintroduce to you a staff member uh, who was in Montana for the past 14 years. But we are excited in just a couple weeks to welcome back Pastor Bill and Mary Ann Balance to the Multiply family of churches. Come on, give them a hand. Pastor Bill and Mary Ann, I believe that you're probably tuning in online at some point today and you're watching this. And those that know you love you. And those who don't know you yet, they love you already. And we can't wait. They are going to be joining our executive team uh, at the Concord location, and you're gonna, uh, you're, we'll, we'll be telling you more, but you're gonna uh, enjoy their ministry so much. Our theme verse for this series, John chapter 14, verses 12, 16, and 17. Very truly, Jesus is talking to the disciples, very truly, whoever believes in me will do not only the works that I've been doing, they will do even greater things. Say even greater. It's our series, even greater. Because I'm going to the Father. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you, and he is the Holy Spirit. In this passage, we see... And in John chapter 14, which we're going to teach through for the next several weeks, we see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if you have grown up in a Pentecostal church tradition, then you understand what we're talking about when we say the Holy Spirit. Maybe you didn't grow up in a tradition that taught about the Holy Spirit. And we want to introduce you to the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. If that makes you nervous, don't be. So, because nobody gets nervous. They understand God the Father. He's a loving Heavenly Father. And God the Son. I hope you're a Jesus fan. But, but we have God the Holy Spirit. And so there are 
are all, like this is all wrapped in and we need, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Let me kind of explain it like this. We need the word and the spirit. Have you ever gone to a restaurant and ordered a steak and there's only two ways to order a steak. You can order that steak medium or you can order it medium rare. And if you order it above medium, uh, we're going to pray for you because we seriously doubt your salvation is basically where we're at in our theology. So you have two choices, medium rare or medium. But have you ever ordered a steak and it came dry? It came over overcooked? It came, like I've been... I mean, like, like all of the ingredients are there. Everything that makes a steak a steak is there, but it's just kind of tough to chew. I've been in church services like that, y'all. I've been at, they, like they read the Bible, they sang the songs, but it just like, it didn't seem alive. I hope when you come to church, you come with the expectation that I'm not coming as a spectator, but I'm coming as a participator, as a worshiper. I'm coming alive. I'm not coming just to hear a word. I'm coming for that word to indwell inside of me. Come on, I need all the alive people out there to give the Lord a shout of praise in this place. We're not dry. We don't want to be dry. We don't want to be like, like the teachers of the law that said, I, I hear your words, but where's your power? And that's what's happening in our culture is we have a society that's ignoring the church because they're saying in so many words, I hear your words, where's your power? But what God is saying to his church is that you are not only going to begin to proclaim the word of God, you're going to rise up and you are going to begin to do greater things than ever before because of the power of the Holy Spirit spirit that is inside of you that more miracles are going to happen in the streets than in the church the power of the holy spirit is not confined to an altar that's one of the worst things that the devil has done he said this okay i'll give you your altar We'll have miracles in church, but just don't take the miracles out into the street. Miracles are getting ready to spill into the street. Miracles are getting ready to spill into the classrooms. Miracles are getting ready to spill into our hospitals. They're getting ready to spill into break rooms at work. He's getting ready to empower you. Part of the greater things is not just in the level of miracles. Because like Jesus called a dead man out of a tomb, y'all. I don't know how we can do greater things. So what if greater things is not just in like the level but the scope of the miracles. What if the part, what if part of what greater things means is not just in here, but out there. That's what the power of the Holy Spirit is. He indwells you so that you're not dry. But if you go to that same restaurant and you order that steak and you're believing that they are going to bring that center cut filet to your table, and instead of just bringing the steak, they bring, what's it, what's it called? What's that fancy French word like au jus or something like that? What is that? It's steak juice. That's what it is. Steak juice. If you, order, if you order a steak and all they bring you is au jus, you're going to politely say to your server something like this. I'm sorry, but, wh- but where is where's the meat? And I'm just going to tell you, I've been in church services like that too. 
like, oh, it was all flowy in the Holy Ghost and everything like that. But at the end of the day, you're like, where's the meat? Where's the meat? Where's the meat? Hear my heart on this. Here, we will have, we've had church services where I didn't get to preach. And we'll have more church services like that. But I'm telling you, if you have a bunch of church services where people walk out, and I understand their heart, I understand their heart, but like, it was so good. Pastor didn't get to preach today. What you are really saying, listen to yourself. Listen to yourself. This is what you're saying. It was so good. I didn't get to hear the word of God today. Shame on you. Ouch. It's the word and the spirit. Come on. I want my steak, but I want it juicy too. I want the word of God and the power. I want it all. And that's what Jesus is saying is that we can have it all. We can experience this. And so Jesus goes on to teach. We're going to teach through John chapter 14, beginning at verse 1. And Jesus says, don't let this rattle you. Don't let this rattle you. You trust God. Don't you trust me? There were all kinds of scenarios going on around the disciples. Why they should have been rattled. All kind of things going on in the world. And even in their ministry group that should have caused them to be rattled. Number one, they saw people that they thought were strong in their faith. And they saw them fall away and even betray betray Jesus. Number two, they saw the world reject Jesus and his teachings. Number three, it felt like the enemy was winning. Number four, they could have been rattled even at their own failures, but it is in the midst of that situation that Jesus steps in and says, don't be rattled. Don't be rattled. That word rattles, it rattled is terosu, and it means to agitate back and forth, to shake back to and fro. It means this emotional agitation. From getting too stirred up inside. Raise your hand if you have been emotionally agitated and have gotten too stirred up inside in the past 12 months. Go ahead and confess that. Come on. I need all the, I don't need anybody lying in church today. Jesus is saying, I I know. I know. I know. It's all kinds of stuff going on out there but you don't have to be rattled in here don't be rattled don't be rattled I was reminded this week of a great accomplishment that occurred in 1984 does anybody remember what happened in 1984 it was the release of Sony of the uh, by Sony of the of the CD player the compact disc player, 1984. The, the first ones were like ones where you put in your home stereo system. I mean, come on, where are my 8-track people at? Wave at me, 8-track people. Where's my cassette people at? Don't be, don't be ashamed, cassette people. I, I still download, I, I probably shouldn't tell you this, uh, but I will. I still, I still download some of the old stuff, Steve. Some of the old stuff this week. This week I, was, I got on a Skinnerd kick. Yeah, yeah. I got on a, y'all, I tell you what, on Thursday, on Thursday, I was outside in my cutoff jean shorts mowing the lawn with Skinnerd. 
your pastor is more redneck than you ever thought possible. And what I would like to do is just take this opportunity to apologize to a generation that somehow we failed to pass on to you the guitar solo. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And so I'm going to need to, I'm going to need you to go home, Chris, and put on Freebird and put, I'm going to need you. I'm going to need you to do that. And I'm going to need you just to hear pastor say, I'm so sorry that we have somehow nixed the guitar solo, but that doesn't have anything to do with the message. So let's go back to the CD player. If you remember this about the CD player. So in 1984, the first CD player came out. It cost around $1,000. A couple years later, Sony releases the picture of this. They released the portable CD player. That, that bad boy right there was around $300. And it was portable. It was, po- it was portable. Harrison, I got to educate. This is ancient history. I got to educate you on what this is. This is called a CD player. And there were these things called CDs. And they were, they were, it stood for compact discs. And, and it was portable, but except it wasn't really portable. They told you it was portable, but it wasn't really portable because if you had it in your car and as soon as you hit Yeah, as soon as you hit a bump, if you tried to run with that thing, as soon as you did this, it did not have anti-buffering technology. And so when the CD player got hit with an external agitation, the music stopped playing. And that's what's happened to a lot of followers of Christ in the last 18 months is they got hit with an external agitation and they didn't have the internal technology to keep up with the external agitation and they started skipping. But what Jesus says is I'm about to upgrade your technology. It's better for you that I go away because if I go away, I'm going to give you another advocate, the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is going to be that anti-buffering technology that you may be agitated out there, but you're not going to be agitated in here. They may try to agitate you with your words, but I'm not agitated. Come on, I'm not rattled. Say, I'm not rattled. They may try to rattle me, but I'm not rattled. Say it again. Say, I'm not rattled. I'm not rattled by the news. I'm not rattled by the, by the, by people's behavior. I'm not, ra- I'm not rattled. How can we not be rattled? Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us he, he, we cannot be rattled because, because we know where we're going. We know where we're going. Jesus says there are plenty of rooms. There's plenty of room for you in my father's house. It's like Sunday lunch at Nana's. Nana, Nana did not understand portion control. <laughs> it didn't matter if two people were coming for dinner or 24 people were coming for dinner. She made enough for everybody because at Nana's table, there was always room for one more, and that's the gospel. Jesus is saying there's always room for one more. There's always room for one more. Maybe you came to church today. Maybe somebody brought you to church today. Maybe you're watching online, and it's been a long time since you've encountered a church service, and you say, I don't know if there's room for me. I've done too many bad things. I've had too many bad thoughts. I've made too many mistakes in what Jesus Jesus is saying to you is there is always room for one more at the table of Jesus. He says, if that weren't so, I would have told you. 
He says, I'm going my, on my way to prepare a room for you. And if I'm on my way to get your room ready, I'll come back and get you so that you can live where I live. I'm telling you, in 25 years of ministry, I've stood by the bedside of people who were getting ready to meet Jesus. And I'm just telling you that if they know Jesus, there's something different in the room. There's a peace in the room. There's a calmness in the room. I'm not saying, I'm not saying there's not sadness. I'm not saying there's not a little bit of trepidation because of losing somebody. But, but for a saint who has lived their life well, there's a peace in that room because they know where they're going and I'm telling you that you can walk with that same assurance you don't have to wait until you're on your deathbed you don't have to wait until the doctors have given you a bad diagnosis you can walk with that peace now that's what Jesus is teaching that's exactly what Jesus is teaching in this passage he's not saying look so so to understand that think about this what's the opposite of Jesus teaching Jesus would have said something like this. Okay, disciples, uh, y'all, it's bad out there. We got, we got external conflict. We got internal conflict. Judas is a betrayer. Peter uh, denies people. These sons of thunder can't get it together. We got all, all kinds of agitation going on here. Uh, Thomas is doubting me. We're like, we, got all, we got all this stuff that we're dealing with, and Jesus would have said something like this. Um, and I'm getting ready to leave. So I just want to wish, I just want to wish you the best of luck and just kind of, just kind of hunker down and just hold on and then, and then I'll come back and get you. And if you make it, you make it. That's not what Jesus says, is it? Jesus says, hey guys, it looks bad out there. There's a lot of junk going on out there, but you but you, I know, I know a lot of other people are rattled, but you're not going to be rattled. Don't be rattled. Don't be rattled because the Holy Spirit is going to dwell within you and you're going to do even greater works than these. And I'm going to come back and get you and you're going to multiply and you're going to grow. And I, when I left Multiply Church, they had a couple locations. When I came back, they had locations all over the globe. When I, when I left, when I left, you weren't discipling anybody. But when I came back, you've got three or four people that you led to Jesus at your workplace and now you're disciple them when I left. Why? Because of the power of the Holy Spirit in you. That's the difference that we have is the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not rattled because we know where we're going. We know, we're not rattled. We can have, it's not peace someday, it's peace today. That's the difference that the Holy Spirit makes. If, the, if it would have been that way, Jesus would have said, hold on and I'll come get you and I'll take you to heaven and then we'll come back and do this new earth thing and finally then you can have peace. He doesn't say that. What he says is there won't be peace out there, but there can be peace in here. Don't be rattled. I'm not rattled, number two, because I know the way. I know the way. So Jesus says, and you already know the way that I'm taking. And Thomas says, I love Thomas. Thomas is your friend that says out loud what everybody else is thinking. And sometimes it's appropriate and sometimes it's not, but he just does. And Thomas is like, no, no, we don't, Jesus. We don't have a clue. I have no idea. James is thinking it. He's afraid to say it. Peter's thinking of how he's going to deny you, but I'm just going to say it out loud. I have no idea. Come on, Thomas. 
Thomas, at least Thomas admitted it. Thomas was a man and he admitted, I have no idea. He was the guy that stopped to ask for directions. He was the guy that finally turned on his GPS. Master, we have no idea where you're going. How do you expect us to know the way? And this is Jesus's answer. And Jesus answered, and this is the thing that is the, this is the unforgivable sin of our culture. It's the unforgivable sin of post-modernity. And it's this statement that Jesus dares to say, I am the way, the truth, and also the life. No one gets to the Father apart from me. I'm surprised I'm not censored just by saying that because that's the sin of post-modernity. How dare you say, Pastor, that there is truth with a capital T. Pastor, you can have your truth, but don't push your truth on me because I have my truth. Have you heard those phrases? Say yes. Well, that's your truth. But I have my truth. And here Jesus dares to say, but there is the truth. Watch this. The way, the truth, the life. There's a progression there. And this is what happens to culture and to society. That once Jesus is rejected as the way, truth begins to become relative. And then life begins to erode. And we're seeing that progression. We're seeing the Jesus is rejected. And then we reject truth. So nobody knows what gender they are. And then, and then we have all of this mess and it leads to the erosion of life. There's a guy by the name of Jordan Peterson that I don't have time to introduce to you. I'm just going to, but to go in depth about, I'm going to give you a quote by Jordan Peterson, but I'm telling you, he's an important voice. I'm going to tell you this. He's not a believer yet, but he is so close. He's one of the most important intellectuals of our day. Why do you say that pastor? Because we have a movement at our universities. It started in the universities. And so there are tons of there are hundreds and thousands of false prophets at our universities that are teaching that there is no absolute truth. Jordan Peterson is a professor at Harvard, and now he teaches at the University of Toronto. And he is a university professor that's rising up in that world and saying, this is ridiculous. Y'all have lost your ever-loving minds. And he's speaking into these issues. So you need to familiar yourself. Familiar, I'm not endorsing all of his teachings. He's not a believer. I'm telling you, but he's close. And you need to pray for him because I believe he may be the next C.S. Lewis of our generation. If this guy comes to faith, God is going to use him in a powerful way. Listen to this. He says, loss of group-centered belief. What does that mean? Absolute truth. We've kicked absolute truth out of our culture. And he says, watch what happens when there is a loss of group-centered belief. Life is chaotic, it's miserable, and it's intolerable. Is that happening in our, happening in our culture? Say yes. He said, the presence of group-centered belief makes conflict with others inevitable. Why don't we want to say that there is one truth? Because we don't want to offend anybody else, right? I don't want to, I don't want to, offend, I don't want to say Jesus is the only way because Allah may be the only way for you or Buddha may be the only way for you. He says this, in the West, we have been withdrawing from our tradition, religion, and even nation-centered cultures. So now it's wrong to love Jesus and it's wrong to love your country. Do we see this happening? Partly to decrease the danger of what? Group conflict. But we are increasingly falling prey to the desperation of meaninglessness. And that's what Jesus is teaching. We lost Jesus as the way. We've now lost the truth. And we are seeing our society fall. So what's the answer to that, church? we got to go all the way back and just begin to introduce people to Jesus. So you can't work your, you watch this. This is important to understand. The way, the truth, and the life. 
So what we're trying to do is we're all agitated because we see life as we knew it falling apart. So what do we want to do? We want to step back in and fix life and then work our way back and fix truth and then work our way back to Jesus. But it doesn't work that way. What we're going to have to do is be empowered by the Holy Spirit to hop out of here temporarily and go all the way back and just begin to introduce people one by one by one by one to Jesus and then teach Teach them about truth and see them experience life. Does that make a little bit of sense? Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. C.S. Lewis says this. He says about, about, so you may say this, well, pastor, I'm not sure about Jesus. Because I grew up in a culture where there wasn't, there wasn't absolute truth. And I feel like Jesus, he was a good guy. He was a good moral teacher said some good things, love your neighbor. I'm, I'm on board with that, but, but I don't know if he's the son of God. Listen to what C.S. Lewis says. He says, that's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him. You can kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. What are you going to do with Jesus? That's the most important question that you'll ever ask in your life as the band comes. What are you going to do with Jesus? You've got to make a decision. Everybody at some point in their life is going to have to stand before the Father and say, This is what I did with Jesus, but I'm not rattled. I'm not rattled. I'm not rattled because I know where I'm going. I'm not rattled because I know the way to get there. And I'm not rattled because I know my father. I know my father. See, the, all, of, all of this comes back to the father. It all come, the Holy Spirit always points to the son. How can you tell if something, here's, let me give you like discernment 101. Is this of the Holy Spirit or is it, uh, I ate, you know, spaghetti and pizza and chicken wings at 12 in the morning and uh, like what, what, what am I feeling? Is it, is it the Holy Spirit or is it not? Here's, here's Holy Spirit discernment 101. If what the Holy Spirit is telling you points to Jesus, glorifies Jesus, then it is the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is leading you to the flesh or away from Jesus, then it's not the Holy Spirit. The, Holy, the Spirit always points to the Son and the Son always points to the Father. Does that make sense? The Spirit always points to the Son. The Son. So read John 14. It's happening. It goes over and over and over. The Spirit points to the Son. The Son points to the Father. So this ultimately is all about the Father. That's why there's such an attack on fathers today. Because the enemy knows if he can get to the Father, he'll take a generation. And that's why we got to restore the hearts of the fathers to the sons and the hearts of the sons and the daughters to the hearts of fathers. Because once we have a, that's the key. I believe that's one of the, that's one of the keys to revival. 
That's one of the missing keys to the revival is when we have a generation of fathers begin to rise up and step in and become the men of God that we were called to be and begin to be parents and spiritual parents to a generation. Malachi says that once the hearts of the fathers are turned to the hearts of the sons and daughters and the hearts of the sons and daughters to the hearts of the fathers, then the spirit of the Lord, it will be the spirit of Elijah and that spirit will rise up and it will draw people to Jesus. Who was the spirit of Elijah? It was John the Baptist. What did John the Baptist? us to. It drew people to Jesus. What is this new revival going to look like? It's going to look like men of God rising up, stepping into their place as father, and it will draw people to Jesus. I believe that with all my heart. So Jesus in verse seven says, if you really knew me, if you really knew me, remember what's Jesus doing? He's always pointing to the father. He's like, he's like, if you love me, oh gosh, you're going to love my, you're going to love my dad. You got to meet my father. You got to, you got to meet my father. God, he's always pointing to the father. You will know my father. If you really know me, you'll know my father. Well, from now on, you know him and you have seen him. And I was reading the story this week about a, a Marine dad. And, and this guy was, he, he said, he did the officer corps training. He said it was uh, some of the hardest mental and emotional and, and physical training that he had been through. He did tours of duty in, in Somalia. He did tours of duty in, in Iraq and Kuwait. He was under fire at times. And, and, and he came back over and they were all excited. He and his wife were all excited because they were having a baby. And his wife birthed that baby in San Diego at the hospital there and he held his son Patrick and he said that something came alive in his heart that had never come alive before and he just began to feel this love and this emotion but a couple weeks later Patrick just he didn't something didn't seem right he didn't seem to be developing the motor skills that he needed to be developing they took him back to the hospital to the NICU in San Diego they admitted him diagnosed him with meningitis and that led to another diagnosis and Patrick began to fall behind in all of these areas. Other kids began to crawl and Patrick wasn't crawling. They began to walk and Patrick wasn't walking. He began to talk. Other kids were talking. Patrick wasn't talking. And so during this birth, the wife had actually suffered a stroke. She was in the Marine Corps at the time too. She had to quit her job. They moved to Texas. He had to come. He had to leave his job as a Marine. And now he's sitting. He says, I was sitting in my living room holding my son that I love so much. And he says, God, I was trained to be a Marine, but I wasn't trained for this. I don't know how to raise my son who's disabled and so they just started pouring their lives into his son his wife got a job and stocking shelves at night he got a job at a hot dog stand during the day and they would pass in the night and they would just but they raised their son they didn't give up they had two more girls and they took their whole family they they never stopped going on trips and and they never stopped pouring into Patrick and developing his speech and developing his his walking and he says he remembers the day when Patrick took his first steps he remembers Patrick in the fifth grade competing in the, the, the talent show at school and singing a song and people standing up and applauding for them and they just kept pushing on and, and the, the, the dad tells this one story. He was uh, on a field trip, fifth grade field trip and Patrick was in a three-wheeled stroller. He could take a few steps but to go on a long hike he couldn't and he was pushing the stroller, he was pushing the stroller, and they came up to a bridge across a, a six-foot waterfall, except it wasn't a bridge that had a lot of planks in it. It was like these large concrete round pillars, but there, was, there were a couple of feet distance in between all of these pillars. 
And, and so the Marine is looking at his son. He's looking at this and there was no bridge. And the teacher is saying, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize the bridge was like this. And he said, in that moment, all of my training came back to me. He said, at that, at that moment, I just said, I just said, Pastor Kevin, no, no man left behind. Nobody left behind. He goes and he scoops up his, his son. And he said, he said, he realized, he began to realize that what God was training him for, all of his strength, and all of his might was not just to battle the enemy in some far off land. All of, his, all of his strength was to carry his son across an obstacle that his son couldn't carry himself across. And maybe, maybe today, that's somebody's view of God. Maybe you see God as a little bit distant and you see, well, he's fighting battles and he's taking care of things. But you've got to know that God's first job, so to speak, is your father. And as your father, his number one job is to scoop you up and to begin to carry you across a time in your life when you don't feel like you have the strength, when you don't feel like you have the ability to walk across that bridge, when you feel weak, when you feel like you don't have the training. God is coming to you. Come on, he's coming to you. In and through the power of the Holy Spirit, I sense him just beginning to lift somebody in the place. He's going to carry you. He's rising your faith. You're not rattled. You're not rattled. Circumstances may be rattling you, but you're not rattled. You're not rattled. You're not rattled. With heads bowed and eyes closed in this place, I want to begin to open up these altars. If you would say something like this, Pastor, I'm facing an insurmountable obstacle in my life, and I need God to step in. I need him to begin to carry me. Come on, I want you to just begin to come and find a place to kneel at these altars. I'm just going to ask the worship team just to begin to lift up a song of praise in the house today. But if you need God's strength, if you need God's might, if you need his peace, if you need his power, we want to open up these altars. Would you just come and spend a few moments with the Lord this morning? some of the prayer team and our uh, pastors just begin to kind of make their way among those and these altars are still open if you need the peace of God if you need the strength of God if you need God to carry you over something 
And that's what I believe is happening right now. God is carrying you. He knows you can't make it. He knows you can't jump over that. He knows. That's the point. That's the point. You say, I've failed. God says, that's the point. You can't do it on your own. And I believe that the power of God that's being made available at this altar right now is the power to carry you over that which you are unable to carry yourself over. So as the prayer team comes, as pastors come, I want you to stay at this altar, but I want to I teach one more thing. And this is really important. This is really important. So what happens then is we say this. We say, Pastor, I know that. I know that. I know I shouldn't be rattled, but why do I feel? Why do I feel rattled, right? I know the Bible says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. But why do I feel fear? Are you, are you with me? I know the Bible says that perfect love casts out all peace, or, or, or perfect love casts out all fear. But why don't I feel peace? Come on, are, are, are you, do you understand what I'm talking about? Like, I know, I know this intellectually, but I'm not feeling it. And here's what happens. Here's what the Lord told me to tell you today. Sometimes the fear of being rattled isn't based on the actual thing. See, what happens is that sometimes the fear is based on a previous feeling of being rattled. So something almost happened to you and it didn't touch you. But what happened is your emotions got agitated. So now the rattling that you're experiencing, the fear that you're experiencing is not fear of the actual thing. It's actually a fear of the emotion that you experienced before. Does that make sense? So we're not, we're, we're fearing fear. We're fearing a feeling. Okay, okay, pastor, but, ha- but help, me through, help me through this. I get, I get that. If I'm fearful of a feeling, how do I get rid of the feeling? Well, Jesus teaches us in verse 30. And he says this in verse 30. He says, for the ruler of the world is coming. Right? So one of the worst things physically that could have happened to Jesus is getting ready to happen. Jesus was fully God, but he was fully man. And so when those nails went into his hands on the cross, he felt every bit of pain. When that crown of thorns pressed into his brow, he felt that when those whips scourged him. Like he was fully man and he felt all of this. And he was getting ready to go into the Garden of Gethsemane. And so he was undergoing an immense mental mental and emotional pressure. Right? And so even Jesus was beginning to feel the feelings of being rattled. But I want you to see what he said. And I believe that this is one of the keys to help you to crush the feeling of being rattled. Jesus says this, for the ruler of this world is coming, but he has no claim. He has no claim on me. He has no claim. Like he's coming. There's activity going on, but he doesn't, he doesn't have an claim on me. I know this stuff is going on around me, but he doesn't have any claim on my emotions or on my heart. Let me, let me explain it to you like this. I don't know if recently you've made an online purchase and you've done something called an in-store pickup. If you've done that, when you go to the store, you're going to have to show them your phone. They used to call it. What did they used to call that? They used to call it a claim ticket. 
a claim ticket. And I'm telling you now that after this service, you can go to Target and you can point at an item and you can yell all you want and you can scream all you want and you can say, that's mine, I want that item. But if you don't have a claim ticket, the owner of that store is not gonna let you anywhere near that item. And that's exactly what the Father is trying to tell somebody today is I know the devil's loud. I know he's rattling you. I know he's telling you all kinds of things. He's going to hurt you. He's going to hurt your family. Things are coming against you. But what God is saying is the same thing that Jesus is saying. The rattling may be going on out there, but the devil doesn't have any claim on you. Come on. I need all the people that would say that to stand up to their feet, to lift their hands today and just say, devil, you don't have any claim on me. You don't have any claim on me. I'm not rattled. I'm not rattled. I'm not rattled. Come on one more time. One more time. Just begin to lift up worship in the house today. I'm not rattled. I'm not rattled. 